Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hello and welcome to the dark forest. I was in my hotel room in Tacoma, Washington, and a ranger of the Dork Forest said, hey, can I be on? And I said, yeah, if scheduling permits, everyone can be on the Dork Forest. And so she drove from Seattle to Tacoma, and we knocked it out, you guys. Let's, You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. JackieCation.com has all more info than you can shake a stick at. DorkForest.com just has the show, and then there's a donation button, and then links back to... JackieCation.com, where the merch page is. Like if you were to want CDs of my stand-up DVD, the latest DVD, or um, Dork Forest t-shirts, which are all union-made here in America by uh, Americans. So they run big, just so you know. Anyway, uh, all prices include shipping, including there's some weird international thing going on. Anyway, you can always email me, Jackie at JackieCation.com, if you have any questions about any of the merch or or anything about the show. Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song you just heard. He is going to sing again his lyrics to the Mexican hat dance. Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio. And Vilmos works on the website, JackieCation.com. There is an Amazon banner on JackieCation.com where you can order through uh, that Amazon banner. And the Dork Forest gets kickback for it. So I would appreciate that if you're ordering from Amazon, which we all do. And you're thinking of me. What the heck? Uh, it doesn't cost you extra just to get a percentage kickback to the Dork Forest. Other than that, there's actual donation buttons on both DorkForest.com and JackieCation.com. If you want, if you like the show and you can, feel free to donate to the show. I would totally appreciate it. If you want to do it monthly, you got to figure out how to do that yourself, though, because I'm yet to figure out. It's not hard. It's just uh, time, and I haven't uh, made the time to do it, sadly, yet. Anyway, I'm very much looking forward to this episode, so let's just talk to you briefly that uh, this week in stand-up, I'm opening for Maria Bamford in Portland, Oregon, 9th and 10th at the Helium Comedy Club. And then I am doing kind of um just a stand-up show, I guess, with Tom Clark is opening for me. He's a great comic from Milwaukee. Uh, that's in Upland, California on the 13th of February. So let's get into the show already. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in my hotel looking over the beautiful Tacoma, Washington Valley. Is that right, Megan Steele? Yeah, that's a beautiful between Kent and Des Moines and just watch almost live. Des Moines, Washington? Oh, yes. It's beautiful with the crack hose and <laughs> it is. Just, it's, is it not beautiful? It, well, yes, it's, it's love. Thank is, you. I, yes. I'm trying not to hate on my hometown. Right. Don't hate on your hometown. It's actually quite pretty. I just, and I just got a, a I was just talking to my brother and he was like, Tacoma, Washington. That's where John Candy was from in the movie Volunteers. Yes, he And was. I was like, well, go, go deep, go mm. deep into the long boxes, Absolutely. Anyway, so <laughs> welcome to the program. Welcome to the Dork Forest. You listened to the show, and so you were like, I'm a dork. I live in Washington State. I, I Can I come and talk? And I, I was like, you can. I can't tell you how excited I am to really lay out my nerd cred. Do and it. try and not just stare at myself because there's a big mirror, and I'm a very fascinating person. Right. You are fascinating. Oh, you how are about very, that? That's uh, the ironing I'm, board. I'm, I'm much I'm, better choice. <laughs> Right, ironing board me. and the uh, and 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 the and the and the clip, but it it should it should be less distracting than staring at yourself and going, 
What is happening there with that eyebrow? I am awesome. Yes. What is, what, what okay. was all the makeup going on there? How's that? That, uh, so thank you so much. I wish to say that uh, as a fellow band nerd. Right. I a little marching band nerd uh, or, or concert band or both. both. Oh, I, what did I you run play? deep. I played alto saxophone until I found a trumpet in the secondhand store for $5. Oh, very and nice. And after doing some math with my mom who didn't want to pay for the rent for the saxophone anymore. Oh, nice work. 70 bucks up front and I learned how to play trumpet. <laughs> For the eighth grade band. Oh, there concert. you go. Yes. Already eighth grade. Well, yeah. So six. So fifth or sixth. <laughs> yeah. It's to eighth. Exactly. You were alto sax. Yeah. Reed instrument. Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you put the reed in your mouth. Keep it there for a while. Well, you got to soak to it up. Got to yeah, so, soften it. Sure. And, and the people who would share reeds. I was like, I um, apparently there's a level of cooties that I couldn't possibly even in. Who the hell is sharing? I mean, that's, that's, that feels like a hobbity kind of thing where people share pipes in a desperate time, but not reeds. Well, they shared Coca-Colas at lunch and maybe some of them were dating. I'm not sure of the details. Okay. But the. All right. If they were already swapping spit in, in sort of a love interest kind of way. Well, it was. Then it's fine. Even though it is still weird. (laughs) I don't want to share a toothbrush with people. I, I, they, none of them were ever fashion models. I don't know why anybody would want to really have any interest. Right, but it's, they were sharing reads. Well, it came up? Well, the popular ones were. That it was a thing in your band? <laughs> to share reads? Well, tell me more. Well, tell me more of this. You know this how girls sharing. like to create a group and then select one? I've be, read about it. Yes. It's like a Heathersy kind of kind very. of very, and I can tell that my music from my iPod is still playing, and it's distracting me. Oh, because you can. I'm a genius. We can only hear our own iPod oh. and our own phones like crazy. <laughs> it's like barking dogs. I don't care about. Did it work? Or, or, or did you did. just? Un- I, oh, you I unplugged your headphones. Yeah, a short Excellent. version. So the in the eighth grade with the trumpet that was not shiny. So right. Again, so uh, the I'm I want to lay out the dirt the dorky nerd cred here. So we oh, got you want to do some dork origin? Go I, for I it. Do. Thank you very much. Sure. So that was the, and changing over from, from alto sax in which every third person played out, there's a lot of alto saxes in the Oh band. yeah, yeah. The, there's, especially in the, I don't know why they do that, but they're like, no, you should play clarinet. <laughs> and I, I play clarinet until uh, like ninth, 10th grade. Yeah. You have all the alternate fingerings in the universe. You I was could... the worst clarinet player in the world. <laughs> I was, a, I was, by the way, a mediocre trumpet player. Okay. Well, cause um, I too went to trumpet. Well, I did marching band. Yeah. I did jazz band, which is, that was only in ninth grade by invitation. If you only. got into jazz band, you were actually pretty good. I, you know. Uh, with I, the alto sax or with the trumpet? With the trumpet. With okay. the trumpet. So, thank you. I want to say that the, the <laughs> love, the love was there. Maybe right. some of the practicing might not have been so close. Well, that's yeah. it. It's all about practicing. I yeah, want to hang out. It's a lot like comedy. I just totally, really do just want to hang out. Well, and I'd like to be good naturally, like Harry Potter on the broom. You know, why can't I? Ju- why can't it right, just be easy? Why can't it just be a gift? Exactly. Just some sort of yeah. Uh, so everybody else says they don't have to practice and they're right the first time. That right. I but you made jazz band, so you must have been pretty good. Well, I had a solo. Take me on a sentimental journey. And okay. if you go and if you go to YouTube, you can hear the tune. I don't know if you can hear an instrumental version of it, at least for free, which is my favorite price. Oh, okay. All right. So, oh, so you're like, go, go listen to the song. Yes. Which Take is me a, on the a sentimental journey. journey. Okay. But you had a, you had a jazz trumpet solo. Okay. Yeah. So I was hoping that you had actually your trumpet solo on YouTube. Not so. Oh, no. That was, that would have been too much. Would well, have been too the greatest. 
<laughs> there was, I'm sure it exists. And if I get famous by doing something horrible, I probably will. That It was been recorded. <laughs> I just don't own the possession oh, okay. of that recording. Okay. It's, but to be fair, my mom went, I can't remember if my dad went, but he hated sitting on bleachers, which is, if you think. Well, that's an excellent yeah. excuse not to come see your child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Games at four. Yeah. I don't want to go to church. Yeah, I don't think it's going to. Her daddy's back. It's, yeah. Uh, my dad would always say, kickoff is at noon. <laughs> exactly. Why, why are we going to church? Well, <laughs> it's a priorities being what they are. But my yes. aunt and uncle went as well, and they get, went to several of them. So it's I want to give them props, and I don't I think my grandparents went to that one. But that's in the ninth grade, in which I was in a Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Trek fan club. Okay, I had a character. She had a name. Okay, Bo that Kirk. you you made up your own I made character. Up, yes. Okay. Did everybody in the in the fan club make up a character? I think so. Because it was part of the club? The problem with ninth grade is that we can't drive when you live by a farming village called Snohomish that... Snohomish, Washington. <laughs> yes. That we lived outside and you can't just walk to other people's houses because we weren't townies. So right. there was a lot of in-school lunch uh, drama. And I had... that. So there, there in that year, there was also a Star Trek... And I'm pronouncing it wrong again because I'm nervous. But um, that we went to a convention, right. and my mom went as well okay. to to supervise her ninth grade nerdy okay. daughter, which was very nice of her. And I realize now that maybe it was a little bit of a spa feeling for her because she could leave her other three kids <laughs> to oh, was, stare oh, at my nice dad. <laughs> A weekend a, off, yes. Yeah. In which my dad must have been like, what are you doing? I Why can't see the go- TV. Right. Get daddy a beer and uh, make your own dinner. Well, right. I knew how to cook and mom knew how to cook. And the other three? I probably learned how to dial dominoes. I, exactly. I I'm sure he, he ate a lot of sort of <laughs> yeah. delivery. Uh, I, I suspect that that was dad's solution to it because that there's probably, and not so much the game for him, but it would have been 60s war movies. 70s sci-fi, like anything with Charlton Heston, or 70s westerns, or really cop movies with Clint Eastwood in them, or John Wayne. Right. Yes. That sounds like, that sounds like, uh, that, that guy might have been a dad. <laughs> yeah. He, he sounds like a classic dad. Very classic working well class. Played. Move what your was head. The Star Trek thing was. <laughs> well, that was, um, he was a fan of Star Trek, but he was the kind who would watch the TV and, and not go to the conventions. I, I always go all in. Right. And my nerd out. So, so we've got the, we've got the band. We have all the different kinds of bands. Marching band wasn't what, really great. What, uh, what Star Trek were you, was this original <laughs> Star Trek that you were watching? The, we watched both original and. No, the convention. Oh, the convention. Was, right. The, was the club about original Star Trek? Oh, thank, thank you for the level here. No, it was Next Generation. Okay. Because, I mean, ninth grade, this was in the nineties for okay. me. Okay. So it's. There you go. That, uh, and to be fair, remember when Matt Myra said that his dad looked like Jonathan Who's Franks? Matt Myra? Matt Myra, the comedian. Oh, that was, I thought that was with you. That, okay. Well, he had talked about have been. How, uh, if it could have been. Is it? Uh, is he the comedian that's on Nerdist? Yes. Yes, he okay. is. Okay. He came on and talked about James, James Bond. Bond. Yes. Oh, that was okay. hundreds of episodes ago. <laughs> well, it's all kind of a blur, but good for you. I for listen to them a lot. <laughs> you listen to them. And, uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, and I was like, Matt Myra, that sounds really familiar. <laughs> I haven't seen, you know what? I think I just saw him last week. Too, oh, really? I did Nerdist. Uh, I did, uh, um, at midnight. So, well, so to he's ta- wandering around. It, it, yes, doing things. And when he said, that and if it wasn't with you, I listened to your podcast next, so it, it did blend together here. Sure, kind of like a chocolate couple of chocolate kisses all together. But um, 
my dad actually, if you if you needed like a cultural touchstone, be like Jonathan Frakes, full beard, six foot brunette, and didn't talk too much. Yeah, dead. Just, okay, so that's kind of what he looked like. Got so, a visual right there. So, but definitely. you were in, so you were in the Star Trek um, club, yes. and um, and then you were in marching band. Yes, and then Future Farmers of America. Sure, and then intent, which is that's an easy A. I tell you that much right there. You just have to acknowledge the fact that I, I wear things that have to be made from at some point from the earth. This is awesome. I mean, the leather bag was made from a cow at some point, right? A plus. So what? What? I didn't know Future Farmers of America was a class. Oh, it is a class. It's and a it's class, a, and it's a club too. And it's uh, and you get grades for it. Yeah. All right. It was. It. it was I know actually... nothing about the Future Farmers of fucking America. <laughs> it's just a bunch of fucking farmers, I assume. Right? It want to be Future there's Farmers. There's a lot of Fs. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Fs going on. But what? So, so, so that club in the ninth grade, and then tenth grade marching. No, no. Talk oh. to me about the Future Farmers, farmers of, of America. America. Okay. Well. So, how many people are in it? What's the class like? You just go to the class and learn about agriculture? Yeah, learn about it. Well, it's, it's Snohomish as a farming town. So there's the, it had, it, um, you guys had a farm? Uh, we had a, my family had a very small farm. We right. had like well, chickens yeah. and geese and So you a would sheep go and, and talk about the different animals you had yeah, or, and, and animal. other people would talk about the plants that they grew it's and like other people would talk about the, yeah. the, the different Buildings they would build or the different, uh, like tractors well, they would own? Tractors or if it was a, if it was a barn, then you might have to talk about that. We actually at one point talked about the difference between a metal barn and a wooden barn because the sales, oh, oh, stay with me. I, your so, well, sales what are the difference? What is the difference between a metal barn well, and a, wo- and a wooden burn. barn? Things burn in a barn. And there's horses. So the sales pitch is that, well, the new metal barns, that they're not flammable. Okay. The problem is that they're not nearly as structurally sound once whatever's inside is on fire, like straw. And so a wooden barn, you can go in and try and get the horses or whatever else that is, or your cows or whatnot, and try and drag them out terrified. In a metal barn, at least when I was learning this, that it was you you the structural integrity was going to fail in a metal barn much much quicker than in a wooden barn and it was just going to cook your horses and cows well or just it was going to collapse onto itself collapse faster okay yes. Yes, oh absolutely. interesting mm-hmm. oh interesting yeah, so we learned those types of things it's it, outside of well also in the 10th grade i then went to the ROTC which okay. is marine corps so junior uh, MCJROTC marine corps junior reserve officer training corps and I, I have to say, two best teachers I had in all of high school. Okay. Both served Vietnam, several tours, men who knew the difference. Both guys? It, yeah, both men. Okay. That, um, they're, unfortunately, they both retired, which is a shame, but that in high school in which there can be so much pathetic drama by the grown-ups, that it was particularly cool to work with two people who'd look you right in the eyes and knew the difference. And um, the, the difference between what? The difference between... Pathetic drama and something that's a, a personal code of honor or a, your best work ethic or um, like what like what you're saying is, is how they inspired you or something yeah, or? That, how they spy, how they inspired us to actually be honorable integ- in, integrity filled adults and not just to be talked down to or barked orders at. That it was, I really. So they, they talk to you like adults or people or? Yes. And people okay. who were worthy of being trained and not just talked at that, that they had. And so what was yeah. the ROTC training? What was the actual, like, this is, this sounds like a fascinating high school, by the way, where you have yet to have a class where you learned how to read or write. <laughs> it's band. It's Star Trek. Dare you. It's, uh, 
Well, I'm sure there was some reading and writing going on, but you were like, I have no interest in those things. What I wish to do is to train and and to farm, close and order to drill, band. and yes. all. Yes. And so, so that's what you you marched and stuff. Yeah, we did. We actually did close order Which drill. Which you had learned from band already. Well, the problem with band is that you have to keep your hands up on your instrument. And when you march in the any type of military training, that you have to move your arms opposite of your feet. So you have to swing so you're not your arms. marching with a with a gun. I was an unarmed drill, but okay. so they taught both armed and unarmed drill teams. Okay, so you didn't have you didn't have to hold your instrument. Correct. So you so, had to do something with your hands. I, exactly, and that was a that was a learning technique because I had learned how to hold my arms exactly still, and all, of course the the mockery was immediate. <laughs> Why? Well, because I wasn't doing it correctly in oh, ROTC. Okay. That oh, because it was to different. Swing your arms, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's not that it burns, but it was a memory that it was burned into. It's like sure, you had to sure. That'll retrain that, that'll, the muscles. You got to retrain the muscles. So, so I, if I can, but you knew how to guide right going in. I knew left going step in. from right foot. That's absolutely it. Mm-hmm. about face. So there should have been some celebration of your knowledge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. The, the high school kids oftentimes are not very nice to each other. Right. So, so it wasn't, they didn't mock you. The other kids mocked you. Correct. It the was adults the, didn't. No, no. Okay. The, the RTC trainers. So the, um, that actually, and to be fair, both of those men were on my resume until I was 27. So it indicates. As sort of like references, uh, references mm-hmm. of, okay, they're like, well, these yeah. guys are good guys. You yeah, can exactly. call them and ask them that I'm not a jackass. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. And and impressive. A yeah. full, bird, full bird colonel and a sergeant major. Okay. So uh, uh, lastly, I, that I was employed. You talk about the work ethic and being in sales that I started doing the babysitting services at 12. Sure. As opposed to just doing it for free for my mom. <laughs> right. And then, So you charged your mom or you went out? You went out of the home? Oh, yeah. I went out of the home. You got to go out of the home to yeah. get any cash. Exactly. Yeah, in the home. I just save like, up. There's food and beverages that are being provided as as your payment. Yeah, and pick up after your siblings. I'm sure that yeah, do yeah. something. Housekeeping. But, uh, I could ex- also do that as a job. Exactly. So sure. worked and started at 15 at a local agricultural store. So it was a wholesale. A what cultural? Uh, agricultural. We, oh, ag- uh, we, okay. Yeah, we planted ferns. Okay. So uh, since that time, the employment, and then at 16, I went to go work for an aftermarket automotive shop, which sounds awesome. It's It, was it basically, doesn't sound awesome. It sounds weird. What does that mean, <laughs> aftermarket automotive? It's like... People rip apart old junk cars and then sell parts. I, I that's what it, I would think it is. I would wish it was that sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. It was basically you know like kind of your basic uh, Shucks Auto Supply or or Al's Auto Supply or uh, like a privately owned auto supply place. But were they new items that you were selling or what do you mean aftermarket? Aftermarket is say that um, one of us is a mechanic and my alternator dies and I don't want to go to the dealership and pay full price, so okay. I go to a basic auto parts shop and buy an aftermarket oh, okay. the alternator and then so, install it myself. But it has parts, but they're brand new parts. They're new. Some of them are refurbed. So right. they, yeah, that they've sent back to the factory. So they're not shiny, but they're, they're sold with a warranty. Got it. That's it. Cause I drove sixties automobiles that my first car was a 1968 Cadillac Coupe de Ville. A 68 Coupe de Ville. Yeah. When, How, where did you get that? I bought it from some people that I babysat for. They'd inherited it. It was uh, the sport model. Stay with me. Is it a uh, two seater or a four seat? Like it, a, a oh, sedan or? It had, well, it was a two door. Two door? Yeah, because it was a coupe. The doors were roughly the size of this bed because it was 68 before the grass, right. gas crisis. Oh, it was crisis. enormous. It was 18 uh, feet, six inches long. Okay. Wow. <laughs> 472 cubic inch engine. It was the second largest Cadillac ever made. Okay. Functionally, 
A 16-year-old Megan Steele was handed rolling Detroit steel. Sure. And told. A tank, essentially. (laughs) This is, this is, and I quote this, and my father's passed on now, but I know that he would appreciate it. He told me, because he made me buy the car. I had to buy the car for 1800 buy the insurance, and buy the gas. Okay. Yeah. So that meant that I worked a lot. Yeah. That, um. And, told, and you did that at 16. Yes. Which is wh- like the American dream of I'm getting my own car at 16. <laughs> Bye. But, but you also <laughs> have to uh, pay for it all. Yes. So that's, uh, that's very, uh, that's hard. Yeah. Harder. It's expensive when you're it's making. super expensive. Uh, and you're lucky wage. you weren't a boy. <laughs> because then the, the insurance would have been even greater. Exactly. That, um, so as, a 68 Cadillac Coupe oh, de Ville. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That as, as my father handed How many me, miles did it have on it, I wonder? Oh, less than a hundred thousand because it was a retirement car for a great uncle. Okay. And so when he passed, that it was. Because this is in like ninety what ninety four ninety two. How did you guess ninety four? That's exactly ninety four. Because you had said the nineties with the Star Trek, and so I went next generation. Anyway, so (laughs) I because I was poor didn't realize how I should be ashamed for driving a a used vehicle, a a used old vehicle, giant vehicle that was for. Old people, because you mm-hmm, don't. Nobody mm-hmm. drives a Cadillac. That uh, I didn't realize I should be in shaped and thought it was so awesome. So you weren't. It, no, I was not at all. <laughs> That's a classic Dork yeah. Forest attitude. Well played. Thank you. And I used to roll by the people who would just try and hitch a ride with somebody who lived close by, and be like, "Oh, well, you know, maybe you should go get a job because you're a dick to me." It's, it's, right? Yeah, it's a return fire on the dictum, Megan. Right. But um, so that and that. After a year of getting like six miles to the gallon, Ooh, maybe right, I mean, right, smooth, yeah, yeah. That um, I I decided to upgrade to get a sixty-five Ford pickup truck. Okay, in primer gray. Okay, from one of my dad's friends. Right, it had a smaller engine. It only had three hundred and ninety cubic inches. Okay, and a two-barrel carb, so it got like twelve miles to the gallon. It there was you amazing. go. That is amazing. <laughs> that was that was big. what year was the Cadillac? 68. And so the, the truck was 65, so yeah. it was even older. Yes. That's uh-huh. weird. You know, are going back in time. <laughs> I ended up with like a Studebaker, uh, in the early 2000s, and it was a 57. It was beautiful. Cool. You could just like, you could tap dance on the roof, wouldn't even make a dent. Awesome. So that's kind of the background for me, and I now work in Did air- you work on it? <clears throat> You know, I can Did do, you, you I, can, I can, I can check fluids, I can change wiper blades, and I can take a look and say that V belt looks like it's frayed, but I'm not a trained mechanic. So you can, so you, but you, you know enough to keep it in good running order. Yes. Is and, what you're telling and me. to say. I can do that too. I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of an oil change. Yeah. And if the, and yeah, if, and if exactly. a belt is unbuckled, I'll go talk to somebody. Exactly. And, and say, hey dad, I'll buy the, the part. Can you fix my truck for me? Cause he could do it. Yeah. And I okay. would have to touch his tools and you know he doesn't like that oh there's many generations of men within my family that that you don't touch the don't touch the tools you you can't mess it up there you go don't mess up yes (laughs) yes exactly so in that background and and now it's i know you're going to be very surprised as a local lifetime puget sound i now work in aerospace i'll be vague about the rest of that but oh do you work in aerospace do you work with like because i uh andy has several friends who work at jpl yes and uh so you work on spaceships? No. Or you work on airplanes? I do I do it's build aircra- like aircraft. You help build aircraft. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So cuz mm-hmm. this area has like an air force base. Oh, we, yes, we have several. Okay. Yeah, yes. cuz there was a, the the show last night at the Tacoma Comedy Club was um the second show was a military show. So oh, you get in for free awesome. if you are in the military. Jackie, give me a high five. Uh 
Thank I you didn't for do being, it. Oh, well, uh, but you <laughs> participated in it. So I you, did participate. Yeah, I was exactly. there. There were drunken, there were drunken uh, air, airmen and, and soldiers, and, and they were hair high, nice. hair high and tight. I bet high and tight. Yep. There was a perfectly nice young men and their dates, <laughs> and perfectly nice young women and their dates. See, exactly. So, there you Perfect. go. A lot yeah. of lot, lot of people. Yes. Perfectly. I love the club here, by the way. The Tacoma Comedy Club is actually one of the finest clubs in the country. I heard um, Chris Hardwick say the exact same thing, which I was so excited it, when you. They do it down. right. They, they genuinely, they're relatively new and, mm-hmm. but they, they've got it going on. I've never understood. There's so much like in that. So many people live here and they mock Tacoma openly and they're like, <laughs> it's kind of a dirtbag town. And I was like, I do not see that. I see. <laughs> granted, I'm on the 16th floor. So maybe, uh, much like, uh, I don't know. Mexico City is not considered, uh, particularly dirtbaggy when you're sitting in a penthouse. Well, okay. So who knows? I'm, I'm with you on uh, that one. But it is very beautiful. The whole state is very gorgeous. So, And I bet it's even prettier at night, which is will be a wonderful segue into some pictures I want to show you. Okay, right, because your do- real dorkdom, as you were telling me, is that there is – and uh, you realize this is an audio program. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, well, that's – but what yes. I was, I, I'm sorry. You yes. told me that there's, you have a dark room <clears throat> in your house. I do. So when did you get into photography? I started photography when I was 25. Okay. That, and I was finishing college because it took me seven years to earn my four-year degree. I've sure. always worked. And, I had five as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. When I heard you say that, I thought, wow, you win. I <laughs> Right, right. It's only because my sister was pushing. Competition. So, uh, yeah. Exactly. So, and I worked with film first. I still have my Minolta SRT-202, which is a tank, probably actually did go to Vietnam. Okay. Yep. That, um, and in fact, the first photography professor I had, I told my boss that, um, this was after 9-11, so I, I was working at a high-end clothing store in sales. And, sure. I, and I told him I had a class, which was the truth. It just wasn't in the degree I was working on. It was in photography. Okay. And the professor said, always wear a strap on your camera because if you're on the street and somebody attacks you, you can turn your camera into a weapon. Oh, and beat them to death with it. Yes. Oh, and because it's because the strap gives you better, like it can be used as a flail. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you've got um, pushing several pounds of metal in right. a big old camera, and with a strap, it gives you that much more slashing room. Right. Right. You can, so, you can actually. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'll just put that out there. Even with the newer cameras that push come to shove, that your camera needs to protect you sometimes. Right. So, I have a tiny camera, but it's waterproof, but it's digital. Oh, perfect. Well, and, that's uh, okay. But if I had a strap, mm. I suppose like I could. Because it's probably a good 12, 16 ounces. Okay. Yep. And if I clonk somebody on the head with it, yes. It would hurt. It would indeed hurt. Yes. So you took that class, um, mm-hmm. in the, in the, obviously in the, in the 2000s mm-hmm. of how to develop film and everything. It was, it was an introductory class on vision. And so the book I just handed you is actually yeah. by. Yeah. Answer Yourself Night Photographs by Matthew Donovan. Leonard? Yes. Or Leonard. And to describe it for those who don't get to see it, that he was walking around, I believe it was Atlanta, Georgia, taking pictures, trying to decide if he was going to move or stay. And the front picture, which is my favorite picture, is three phone booths, because we're old enough to remember when phone but, booths were necessary. In right, but not enclosed, so Correct. they're just against a wall. Yep. Okay. And the middle one is illuminated, like maybe it's even ringing. Okay. And that picture right there, I, I found that book. Just as I was graduating and, and I had two jobs and I didn't want to keep either one of them. And then I, <laughs> I, I was so poor I couldn't afford my studio apartment. So I had to rent a room from a friend who was very generous and excellent. And, and you ever have that roommate who it's just like every time I turn around, I keep getting like slapped upside the head. And she's like, you know, Megan, you just sit down. Her name is Barbara. Yeah. That just you rent the room from me and 
you and got, regroup. Yeah, you you're yeah. going to be fine. You're employed. Yeah, you just finish your you're degree. Employable. You're employable. It'll be fine. Yeah, it'll you're all applying, work out, but you need a minute. Exactly, you need a breather. Yeah, and that for that, I I always kind of keep her in my prayers and think, thank you, Barbara. And well, you should because yes, that exactly. is a, that is a good egg. When I moved to Los Angeles, uh, my friend Jennifer McLean um, had a studio apartment, and she was like, "You can live with me." Um, and we'll split the studio. And I, my privacy was the corner. Like she had the, there was a curtain that blocked off her room and there was a bathroom off of it. And then there was like a living room area. And then there was a kitchenette that had a corner that had a little dining air, dinette area. Mm-hmm. And the dinette area was where I put my bed. And she found a bed for me. Oh my goodness. And our rent was like, it was 300 bucks a piece because it was a $600 a month, mm-hmm. uh, studio. Mm-hmm. And we lived together for almost Three years. And she eventually gave me an OXO set and said, you got to get out. And, uh, okay. and I was like, fair enough. Three mm-hmm. years later, you've yeah. done. She's like, we're in our 30s. Let's let's all live alone now until we get married or have partners or whatever. Right. And I said, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you have to you genuinely have to remember those people in your prayers. Right. They're super supportive. Uh, and yeah. and so at that time that the the I think the photography, which had been going on for a couple of years until that moment, that it was this feeling of that I need to be able to do one thing really well that nobody else can cut me down about that, okay that i i need Just to sort be, of go into yourself and find something <sighs> something kind of thing. yes that's where because in sales i can show up and i can do all my work and i can call all my customers and sometimes that just that's nothing. fine but but this is more creative exactly and so, yeah and and it's so you it, took a class you took an introductory class, so it was a vision mm-hmm. class. It was. So yeah, vision. It wasn't is- actually like how to how to do photographers. It's how to recognize like and how to compose a uh, composition yes, kind of stuff. Exactly. So that and that was the first class at the community college. And exactly. then I started and Barbara was right. I, I I was fully employable, got back into aerospace. Things were better in two thousand five. And I went back to the University of Washington and got a they have a certificate program for working adults that is equivalent to their fine arts photography degree. So I did that for a year and there's nothing like trying to build aircraft and then go and build art in the evenings because you're getting home at like ten thirty at night and at work work by six in the morning and it's it was commitment that, sure um, sure but you know you're in your 20s so you've got all the energy in the world well thank you and i'm moving my books aside because i realized that i kind of want to get to some of the photography that i brought to show well, you i want to learn how you learned how to uh develop like you have a you have a, a room in your house yes uh-huh so who taught you how to develop film? Oh, that was at the University of Washington that they we so you took a class in the two in like 2005 2006 yes, yes. where they were like no one, no one needs to know how to develop film anymore. Why, why, why are they even you make offering me cry. that? But they, you don't need to, but you can, I mean, it's a beautiful thing to learn. Exactly. Right? Correct. So how do you do it? How do you develop film? So the, why does it have to be super dark? What's happening? <laughs> what are the chemicals? Where do you get them? And, so there is still the stores and you actually, a lot of this is now online. So you'll have to actually buy the chemicals uh, the online, but there there's trays and the trays can go from something almost as big as the couch I'm sitting on to something more like a 12 by 12 tray. And that the, I've seen movies where they have like uh, cookie sheets with tall lips. Yep. Yes. And, correct. Uh, and then you kind of soak. Yes. Exactly. 
Exactly. Okay. So the for the photographic paper, of course, is light sensitive, and so you have to have a developer. So you have your your negative, and then you have your your light machine, and and then you have your light sensitive paper, and then put it. In, I guess that's not satisfying enough for you on the technical element. No, no, but, I need. Well, here's here's the thing. Okay, so you have a roll of thirty five millimeter film. Sure. You stick it in the camera. <laughs> there's an aperture. There's an f stop. Mm-hmm. You take a picture. Click. Ka-chunk, and then now you have a negative. And a Correct. negative is what? What is a negative? It's plastic? It's a celluloid film that um, with an emulsion on top of it. So it once it's developed, it's no longer light sensitive, but it's the... Going it, in, it's real light sensitive. Correct. Coming okay. out, it is not light sensitive. But um, once you put it in your light machine that um, the project light through it and down onto the table surface where that, of course, you have to make sure that you have it oriented how you want it and focus it. And then uh, you put your light sensitive paper. And of course, uh, that's why they have the red light, the red light bulb. Yeah. So, that, so you can see something. Correct. But the red light doesn't, I've always wondered about that. It doesn't develop, it doesn't, it's not real light to the, to the paper. Correct. Okay. And the best part is that where people talk about in the middle of the night, don't turn on the light if you have to go to the bathroom because it makes your pupils dilate. Yeah. It's the same principle that it's just not enough light. The paper isn't sensitive enough to see the red light. And what gets destroyed? Does the negative get destroyed if real light comes in? Or does the paper get destroyed? Oh, it would be the paper. The negative, once the negative. The negative would be fine. Correct. You could, you would just have to start over. Yes, that's you'd correct. You'd have to buy more paper. And yes, that and chemicals. Sad, and that's why people are mad. And, <laughs> and yes, it's, just, okay, it's very like, expensive. Hey, why are you costing me money? Yes. So. And now here's an interesting one that a lot of people that they'll talk about how that they want to do color photography or really crisp photography. Yeah. And the tricky part, if you're working with the film and the negatives is that the chemical and the paper for color photography is very temperature sensitive within just a couple of degrees. And oh. that's why most people who have a dark room because they're nerds in their own house, it's right. always black and white. That because it's, it's a slightly easier to work with, a lot easier to okay. work with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that it's okay. that, it, that anybody who's doing color photography in their own home is truly dedicated to it because it's fiddly is exactly the right word. Okay, because it has to be a certain temperature in the room as yes. well, and three different tanks because you've got three different colors: oh. the C M K C Y K, the cayenne, yeah, magenta, cyan, yes, cyan. yes. Cayenne. Sure. <laughs> Tasty. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I'd like to show you some pictures. And I, yeah. again, I know that this is uh, weird, but the uh, each one of these actually has a principle. So this is a picture of uh, the cool part of downtown in the, not the U District, but... Um, in Seattle? Pi- Pioneer, yes, in Seattle, Pioneer Square. This and looks so, like, uh, this is a picture of Bailey, uh, this looks like Bailey Park. This looks it does. like, uh, yes. the, the middle ground where George Bailey is, uh, runs into the girl he gives the money to. Absolutely. So, anyway, done with so. a tripod, mm-hmm. and I was, I knew I was using color film. Okay. But here's a trick for anybody, whether you're using film or whether you're using even just your cell phone. Okay. Is that if you think in black and white, but use color film. So okay. just the, you've got even just your camera phone and you're thinking in black and white. So think shapes, think angles, think intensity, grain, tone. But then say you're using your phone and then right. take a look at that picture. Your color pictures will be so much more vibrant. And I don't know the principle behind it. Right. However, over and over again, if I'm thinking in black and white, but using color, the colors pop. Well, here's the weird question is what's, so if, if you're thinking in black and white, you're thinking about shape and right. grain and, um, 
tone. Tone. Yes. Okay. Yes. What, what are you, when you're thinking in color, what are you thinking? I, when color, it's the, and there's different schools of thought here. Certainly there's photographers who are in camp black and white and there's photographers in camp color. Right. That the black and white photographers talk about how the color in photography can be intoxicating and that a person can lean on the color. Like, look, there's three oh, different colors of blue. It. Yeah, They use it, but sometimes that is in, it a little the, hacky at the cost. They a little, <laughs> they're like, hacky. Uh, sure. you're just, uh, you just do it in color. Anyone could do that. Yeah, anyway. that's great. That's three colors of blue. But what are you saying that there doesn't seem to be any shape that the, the principle of three of, of three thirds is not right. being utilized here. So okay. that that's why that at least the, for teachers I've had, or professors, there's I should been, say. There's been enough discussion in your life to, yes. to alert you to this. Exactly. Okay. And so that's important in that idea of, yes, I was using a tripod standing in between north and southbound traffic. Mm-hmm. And so it's a time lapse. So there's you have the taillights on one side and the headlights on the other. Okay. But again, I was looking at the look perspective and force perspective and, and look, the old part. This is some of the oldest parts of Seattle from 1889. Okay. And then I looked at it and I thought, and it was actually my mother who said, wow, look at the colors here. They, they just, yeah. they, they don't scream, but they sing loudly like opera. Right. I, uh, right. Oh, okay. Very beautiful. Yeah, it's a very you. beautiful picture. The, it's got a lot of subtle, subtle tones, pardon me, uh, that, uh, are, uh, are, um, but distinctive, right? I mean, there's right. subtlety, but there is definitely a gradation that, that is definitive. So it's kind of interesting. So, so in comparison, I want yes. to show you. Ah, here it is. This picture, which is taken on Capitol Hill. So that's, that's, it's the funky, for a while it was known as the gay neighborhood within okay. Seattle. That, um, definitely. Hipsters. Oh, yeah, it's, it's being gentrified now. A lot of older apartment buildings from the 1920s. And this is one of the oldest apartment buildings. It's the Biltmore. Okay. That in the background, you can see the Space Needle. Okay. Yeah. There it is. Oh, it's a tiny space needle. Yeah, in the exactly. <laughs> and then foreground Vespa. <laughs> and uh, exactly. See. <laughs> right. So it's happening. And do you see how it's much calmer and quieter with the black and white that it doesn't have because it lacks color, the form and the shape, the fact that you immediately noticed it was a Vespa, that um that it has a, a quietness and a silence to it that okay. is very different than a color picture of the city. That um and does black and white do you think black and white kind of calms down? I find it does. Yes. Yeah. So what, okay. Yeah, the, the, uh, the comedian John Callahan, he does cartoons okay. out of Portland, Oregon. Okay. He wrote his own autobiography, which is what autobiographies are. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Good right. for Thank him. You, Megan. Good for him for nailing it. He stuck the landing on that. <laughs> Ooh. And he's a quadriplegic, so he okay. definitely stuck the landing. Oh, very well played. <laughs> but he talks about how when he was in the hospital after his car accident, and of course he can't move anything, and he would watch the night nurse, and she had a, a very beautiful round face, and she would watch the monitors, but also read a book. And he said that she was the unobtainable woman wrapped in shadows. Wow. Yes. And wow. I read that years ago and I thought, I, that, that's, I'm putting that in the hip bag and I'm keeping it for life. Right. Right. Yes. It's a beautiful, it's a, well, it's horrifying, but uh, it's a beautiful <laughs> image. I mean, you're just like, ah, oh, that's too bad she's unobtainable. Okay. It, yeah, so exactly. And, and the darkness surrounding her. Right. So. But at least she was having a good time reading a book while she was working. Exactly. Good for her. So what I'd like to show you now is mm-hmm. some, mm-hmm. again, early work from my first class. And that these are in black and white again. And this is my dad. So you actually get to see it. Sure. The assignment here 
was actually that the women in the class for this photography class said, go take a picture of men. Okay. What are, what is men that you try, try to define sort of masculinity or, or what manhood is to you? Exactly. Go, okay. you can't use words, use pictures. Show me a man. And okay. of course the male students were told, show me a woman. Oh, interesting. And it, don't be hateful to be hateful. If you have something to say, Say it, yeah, but exactly. try not to be, try not to go hacky again. Exactly. Again, try not, not to be a weirdo. Exactly. Don't be a weirdo and don't be a trite. Try not to be too trite. But the thing is, is, is introductory classes, whether it's writing or photography or any of that stuff, I'm sure I had a writing class one time in college where, um, it was my first creative writing class in the, in the teacher, famous, Lori Moore, famous, okay. uh, short, short story writer. Mm-hmm. And she said, you can write whatever you want. You, uh, but I'm lying because uh, you cannot write about suicide because I'll be awake <laughs> at night worrying about you. And for the love of God, not the suicide note where it trails off in the end uh, because we would hand write stuff because I right. went to college in the 12th century. <laughs> so, uh, and I did not, have, I had a typewriter, but right. that was not, it was hand, everything was handwritten. <laughs> anyway, so that can happen with photography too, where you're right. like, Please don't be a weirdo. Uh, just try to <laughs> try to capture something unique is what he was trying to. Exactly. Or she would your he, professor yes. um, was trying to encourage. Right. And so my dad, being a very working class man, that this is a striped workman shirt and Levi's blue jeans sure. and, and red wing work boots, that the picture that um, one of them is he's getting some wood from a wood pile because they had a wood burning cook stove in my my parents house. Right. And then the second picture, he's had the, his shirt rolled up, same shirt, of course, and he's leaned the the hood of my car is open and he's leaned like he's listening because he was a mechanic. Right. And so that what's not known is that he just, we're just going to stand next to the car. And I was like, well, don't pose, make like you're fixing it or something. Right. Look at it. Feel something. Exactly. And yeah. he leaned in and then he made eye contact with me with this hurry up. I don't want something to break and then make me feel obligated to fix right. it. Right. Then I might have to actually do something. It'd be great if nothing went wrong exactly. during this photo yeah. opportunity. Hurry up. Daddy wants to go back to watching TV or anything. So with my mom. Yeah. That my mom, who she was, uh, my parents were high school sweethearts and after 31 years of marriage had a terrible divorce. So this is before their divorce. But um, my mom was an at-home wife and mother and had four kids and that this, that she's leaning out the front door smiling and she was always a very beautiful person that, and very aware of her appearance. Mm -hmm. So that this is in her late forties and it was, it's weird when people who are always that they, that she always tried to make sure her hair looked pretty and that, um, and she was okay. dressed nice. And she always talked about how she didn't think she looked good in many of her pictures. And mm-hmm. so this is one picture in which she's like, see, that's how I see myself when I look in the mirror. It, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, she looks like, first of all, she, that looks, she looks like an intelligent, compassionate woman, yes, quite honestly. Exactly. She, this is a great picture of anyone, quite honestly. Oh, thank you. And, uh, this is cause she looks, she's like, oh, Hi, honey. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, but she she looks smart and interesting and yeah. and kind of cool. So. And, well, this is how cool she was. She actually, for a while, that before the divorce, that she was a respite care worker. So foster kids who that the foster family that either need to take them to either to in a, between foster yeah, in be- families uh, um, or. It's more like the foster family needs the kid to go somewhere for a time. I mean, like go to the library for four hours or. Oh, okay. Yeah, sort of the, a babysitting kind of thing yeah. in the way that you're like, I need a break from this kid. Who's, exactly. 
great. I'm on board. Right. <laughs> I'm exactly. just going to need a couple of hours, which you actually need with your biological children. <laughs> so why wouldn't you exactly. need that with, uh, with a, with a kid that you're also raising? And, and, um, she used to take, there was one boy that he really liked dogs and she, she would take him to the pound and he would pet every single dog methodically. She's like, we got to go. He's like, okay. And he, he would like rush to the last four because it wasn't fair to not pet every dog. That type of stuff. That kid sounds adorable. He, that, he was a very sweet boy. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's kids like, uh, that's a kid who knows that everybody should get pet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and choose the dogs, not the cats because okay. there's more dogs and you can stay at the pound a little bit longer. Right. And the thing about animals, I mean, I don't know if you, I mean, I clearly have a history of mocking people about their pets, <laughs> but let me just say that they are incredibly healing, obviously, yes. because I mean, I think people put invest so much energy into their pets because they're to some extent easier than other people because animals will just love you back oh, and yes. you can you can cuddle a cat against its will while it <laughs> wrestles and uh and granted not if it has claws but uh <laughs> but I mean you can I remember my and I'm allergic to cats but I lived with my sister and uh one of her uh like her, her girlfriend for a while mm -hmm. back in the early uh late eighties, early nineties, and I lived with them for a year. And I remember being so sad one day and they had this cat and the cat had so much fucking hair that I could barely breathe when I was around it. But I was just in I was I you know, some sort of drama had occurred. Right. And I was like just sobbing and the cat came over and I was like you are about to become a pillow that I cry into, cat. And, that, mm -hmm. and the cat made me feel better. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> it's, you know, they, it's just a body, a warm body that you can cry into and hug. And won't tell on you. I mean, nope. the worst thing you're going to have is a spite poop. Me telling on me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And actually, I got a spite poop from one of my dogs today. I didn't give them a walk first thing in the morning. And when I came back down, it's like, oh, well, okay, message received. <laughs> right. Do you think it was, oh, because of where uh, your dog pooped, that it was a spite poop? Or it was... <laughs> I really have to go to the bathroom, but I'm just going to go here. It's the irate better than just being let out into the yard. And oh, you know fair that. Enough. There and we you go. only let me into the yard and it was raining. Yes. And here's your spite poop. Here's your spite poop. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? I have two Rottweilers. Oh, Rottweilers. Yeah. Those are those little fists of dogs, right? They're like little tough. They're, 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 no, they're, no, they're giant. Huge. huge. Are they giant dogs? They're 100 pounds each. Holy crap. Yep. That's a giant dog. They, are they like pit bulls? I, are, uh, or are they, or are they just lumped emotionally with pit bulls? They're lumped emotionally with pit bulls. Because, because they can, because they can be made to be super mean, right? Well, yeah, they're by mean people. By mean people, correct. Right. So there's, they are dogs that are frequently used for service, for the military, for, uh, um, companion animals that they, uh, originally they were herding dogs in, uh, throughout Western Europe. The okay. Roman, apparently the Roman army and then the, the Germans. Like for cows? For cows. Yes. Okay. So they're huge and they're very smart. They're, they're known as a very smart, very compassionate dog. Okay. That, um, Dobermans actually were bred out of Rottweiler. So okay. Dobies are a very new breed. They're only about 120 years old, and they're roughly about 50% Rottweiler, and then they have some Whippet and Terrier in them as well. Okay. So, it, so huge, big jowls that um, both my boys actually sleep with me every single night on my bed. Right. Because they've decided they were bed dogs, and I lost the will to fight them. <laughs> right. You're like, I'm going to fight a different battle. Except, so, I'm cold, and you're warm and hairy, and so okay. So you can totally do whatever you need to do. Exactly. And uh, Well, that's cool. What are their names? If well, I might. Oh, of course. That um, I, I got both of them as adults, and I don't rename cats. Don't respond, so I rename them all the time. But okay. <laughs> that uh, the first one is Grizz, like a grizzly bear. Okay, and the second one is Ben, like gentle Ben. Oh, like gentle Ben. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
All right. Well, those are bears, by the way. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, all right. I was like, well, I think those are bears. And then I think, uh, uh, what, the Grizzly Adams died. Yes, he did, didn't he? Yeah. He was Very uh, recently. 70, uh, he was 79, not 69, like everybody else who died this week. <laughs> Very sad. Uh, moment of silence for Alan Rickman. Oh, Christ. Just killing me. I know. I love Alan Rickman. Anyway. So, um, cool. Yeah, so one of the things I did want to point out, yeah. and that as you can tell from some of these pictures that I um, have not always been truly gifted in the dark room. So some of these smudges around the edges. Have you right developed here. all of these? Yes. Did you the, develop uh, the color one as well? Or? Uh, no, the color one I had done in a lab, okay. and the little ones I admit most of these little ones I actually I had done in a lab. That all the bigger pictures, and you can tell because they're the the lab can make truly flat prints, and that my print. My print press is uh, not perfect. So once you make the negative, run the light through it to illuminate the, the paper and then run it through the chemical baths and then you put it in the bathtub to, to rinse all the chemicals off and then drip dry it, that it's, it's like wavy because of paper. Oh, so right. then what you do is you put it in a print press. A heated print press and oh, press it flat. Of, okay, and dry it. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's, it should be dry when you do that. Okay. So it, it, you drip dry the paper and it's just kind of waverly and kind of... Oh, and then it's kind of warped. Exactly. And then, so what you have to do is you have to put it on some sort of press to flatten it. Yes. And then do you leave it there or is it hot enough that you, that you do it quickly and you're supposed to, it's supposed to just flatten uh-huh. it? Ah, I have the wonderful answer for you. So it is heated and you heat it up and it, make it flat and then you pull it out quickly and put it under two sheets I have of glass to, so it cools flat. Oh, okay. There uh-huh. we go. Oh, uh-huh. good. Yeah. So what, what are the, how many, with a black and white photo, how mm-hmm. many chemicals do you need? Oh, or, I, are I, they different with color versus black and white or is it with color versus black and white? Yes. There's okay. different chemical baths that for the, um, and this is a couple of years ago. So I, I, when you have pets who shake the door constantly, it's oh, not, right. It's, you're just like, you get, you're going to have to create a buffer uh, uh, before the door. <laughs> like you should get a gate that stops before the door and then they can bark all they want, oh. but they're not head, head butting the door, which is just going to fuck with the, yeah. And, yeah. and they'll do it until they get to you. I'm very <laughs> cussy. Today. Anyway, go ahead. But um, that it's, I haven't done a lot of the dark room recently. I've done a lot of digital work actually, just because okay. it's the time commitment that yeah, yeah. to, to set up the the do you know photoshop too i do did you yes i do did you go through one of those classes to the, learn the, the actual the certificate included both digital photography as well as the the, the dark room analog stuff. yes okay. that's correct wow yeah so it was comprehensive i've actually done five weddings oh. and that i'll tell you something and i that the as I was putting this together, I thought I I don't have enough projector and whatnot, so I'll have to describe it to you real quick. Right. But I'll I'll Which just is really for the best yeah. here on the podcast, <laughs> of course. <laughs> now, one of the things. Oh, thank you. Sure. That one of the things that's important is that I've realized that because it, it was the first wedding was for my little sister's best friend, who, okay, who didn't have. A, she had a beautiful dress and she has a wonderful husband. Kind right. of the important point. Sure. But, yeah. Weird. Yeah. The wedding, not uh, not the most important part. Uh, turns out the marriage. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so far. As uh, what I've and this was years ago, and that he seemed like a wonderful man who was very good to her and good on you. Yeah. But um, I ended up chasing her down. It, it wasn't like I was being spooky, but that that um, I was chasing. I I end up chasing a bride down a flight of stairs, mm-hmm. and so that you have this 
big flowing dress and several bridesmaids and the staircase is kind of dark, but she's running down into light with her white dress. Very Beauty and the Beast. It is. Yes. With the <laughs> with the bouquet in one hand. Yeah. And that was one of the things that actually was taught in the very first class I ever took was the concept of go take a self-portrait, no face. How would you take a picture of you if you can't use your face? Okay. And so when the, with wedding photography, that's one of the things that I think, okay, well, who has a tattoo? Well, that it's one thing to see that, it, like the, the wedding ring, but does right. somebody have a distinctive piece of jewelry or tattoo? Then I don't have to get their face to get them in the picture. Okay. So pictures of that, um, one time it was a bridesmaid who had one of those glyph tattoos on the back of her neck. Okay. With short hair. And yeah. so she's in the bridesmaid's dress. So you, so, cause she's got to so, be one of them. Right. But that she had turned away from me and the bride's looking at me and I thought, got it. Click. Yeah. Well, now I got both the bride looking, smiling at the bridesmaid and you know who she's smiling at. Oh, right. Yes. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. That, so that idea of that it doesn't, it, that's that, a fascinating way to take pictures of like a, you. yeah, of a wedding yeah. to make sure because I mean, there's always that, well, whose shoulder is that? So, or whose, <laughs> right. whose arm is that, you know? Yeah. Or a lot of the, the lineup pictures of where you've got bridesmen, uh, gro- groomsmen. groomsmen. We've got dudes in white and black. Right, oftentimes, right. It's I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the words fail me sometimes, but that no they're, oh, thank you. That lined up kind of military style. And then the, the bridesmaids all in the same dress. Okay. And especially if they're, they don't have like different colored hair or it, that, that it just, it's kind of militaristic looking and it kind of like, it's that kind of looks like everybody's wedding in right. my mind. Yeah. So by having a picture where I can, I'll, I'll, I'll combat call, crawl through a wedding that, right. as the ceremonies try to do it and not be the center of attention. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, why? What's, are we being, what's yeah. happening? Don't be dramatic, Megan. Yeah. This is not your day. <laughs> <laughs> but that idea of to get off centered that that one of my favorite pictures is it was a groomsman who he actually he worked as a flight attendant but only in like super high end I mean he was Mr. Oh, like classy. chartered like yes. chartered flights and a, stuff like that he was a, more of a butler think in the fantasy sky. island fair you enough would be and and. <laughs> He brought it everywhere. He was right, obviously, right. and that the groom, of course, is pretty stressed out about the whole sure. thing. And, and that the groomsman, that he, that there's some tie straightening, and then it's it's in a in a way where how the the stereotype of men being so butch and tough and John Wayne esque could be like, well, a man can care for another man, right? And and do it in a way that that is not going to immediately initiate somebody using the gay fic. It's that, right, that right. care that that care right, for it's just another friendship human being. and love. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. That, or even service might be another word. That that idea of uh, that I know you're here. Let let me. I, I wouldn't let you go down the aisle with something askew. And right. you know that I won't. Right, let right. You do. I will fix your tie. Exactly. Kind of thing. Exactly. Kind of... Deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to breathe deeply. Work out. Yeah. <laughs> I'll breathe deeply and then you'll breathe deeply too. And it, that this day is going to be stressful, but it, it should also be at least kind of fun. Yeah. So yes, yeah, exactly or, like that. If not for you, for someone, for exactly. everyone you invited to feed chicken to. <laughs> and, uh... exactly. Well, yes. That, um, yeah. so this is an example. And it was one of my signature pieces. Okay. This is a picture that of, again, it's the Piner Square area. And okay. that's one of the, and I should know the name of this building, that, um, that this, and it's in the reflection of a pool. So I'm looking down at the street 
and there's okay. a pool of water, and then the pool of water is the reflection oh. of one of the So big... the building is upside down? Yes, exactly. Got it. And then on the right-hand side, on the sidewalk, is a sign, which, by the way, spoiler alert, was actually for a Subway sandwich shot. And it says, enter here, and it's pointing away from this big landmark icon where people would normally enter right. in. So it's it's a street shot, and I had to take it in nanoseconds because a bus was coming and about to splash in. Right. But, <laughs> but um, this is a good example of anybody who looked at it would say, oh, you pulled this print yourself, Megan, because there's the on the white edge margin, there's actually a bite mark of okay. where it was drying, and I hung it up. Okay. So also it's a little waverly right here. I probably should run it through the press one more time and try and flatten it a little bit more. And it's not a perfectly pulled print. There's um, a little spot right here. So I need to Is run pulled through. mean, um, printed? Yes. The, uh, that where, um, that I'm the one who not just took the, the, the picture to create the negative, but I'm the one who used the, the dark room and then actually took the piece of paper, illuminated it, put it through the chemical bath. Okay. And as you can tell right here, I need to do a little dusting because it, it wasn't perfect. There was a, a little spot. There's a little white spot. Yeah. How a, did that happen? Well, how, uh, how can uh, that happen? A motive dust got in between the either on the negative or it got on the paper. And so as the negative, the light was illuminated through the negative that it didn't get the light that it should have. Now, a, a negative could be any size, right? I mean, it's like a digital print, but if it blows up too big, it, it will it get pixelated. It will. Too? It will get a very soft focused. And actually, I have some examples here Yeah. that um, if I can pull through with one hand that... Um, one of the things that... Talking about photography with Megan Steele, by the way, just so you know. She doesn't have an online... She, you can't see any of her pictures, you guys. You can't follow her. You'd have to meet her in real life. I, I've anyway. never utilized logic in my life. I find it to be quite overrated. <laughs> uh-huh. So here's another example. And this is a picture. And it's... this. Is, um, I did a big series of where I would take a picture with, of myself. You, But I, it's not a portrait. I'm just using myself as a model. Right. And then I would position the tripod for the camera such that... Part of me was being reflected through a mirror or through glass. Okay. And so this is that you have a profile of me on the left-hand side of the picture, and you have almost a full face reflected in the mirror. Okay. So this is actually, I called it the secret. And that, so it looks like two women are about to whisper to each other. Right. But in fact, there's only one. It is just you. It is you and more you. Exactly. Thank you. That's a good one. So that, um, here's another example. Again, where that using a mirror, I think, has been lost in some of the fine arts photography. Okay. In an effort to try and get everything super crisp and that super brightly illuminated and can't the camera. And I think... um, It's kind of neat the way it's kind of blurry back at you. Yeah. Do you go see a lot of photography exhibits? Do you ever try to... Or have you seen... hmm. No, I, and I should see more that it's the, we should all do all kinds of things, but yes. uh, I was just curious. <laughs> no, no, that's a, perfectly yeah. okay. That, um, in the idea of using oneself as a model. So yes, that's me, but it's not a portrait mm-hmm. that the idea of a lot of times of that in modern photography, I found is that a person talks about perfectly cropping or perfectly framing. And I think to myself, I don't need all of my face or all of my hand for the image I want to create. That, mm-hmm. And in fact, does anybody need to see every pore 
in my face? I don't think so. No. Because at and my, in some cases, I don't want them to see every pore in my right. face, for the well, love of God. The, it, if, I, <laughs> if I meet somebody, mm-hmm. if I'm focusing on how many pores there are on their nose, then either I'm a shallow person or they're a shallow person. And you're not listening to what they're saying out of their face. They're it, probably talking to you. Right. <laughs> you're, you're looking a little close. A little close. <laughs> and that the nature of, of human memory is not is not and should not always remember every single pore that that's what with the new high def cameras for yeah. like TV where they have the newscasters have to like just airbrush the new airbrushing of uh, to oh. fill in all the pores and stuff so exactly. that they don't look like they're 107 years old and smile and suddenly there's a grand canyon which is <laughs> terrible which which that that that's not really recording the essence of the human being right and right. so it's, it's too much that it's something that um, what you can also do is take a mirror and texture it with like Vaseline or lotion or something else. Basically, you're just creating texture on the mirror and then use that to actually take the picture. It looks like you're having uh, yeah, your yeah. hairs being windblown and whatnot. Oh, okay. And, um, and so that kind of that idea of the idea that, that, yeah, I, I want to try and say it in the exact right way that Capturing the essence of what is excellent, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be excellent. Right. It shouldn't have to include removing every single hair from my chin. That, right. That's, that's not the essence of what I bring to the world. And so with right. photography and here, here's, here fans, I know this is probably horrible, but I'm going to give you a really good trick here and you can do it for digital and you can do it for analog. Okay. Take a picture of somebody, especially if it's, if it's not super crisp, like they're running by. So it's a good, but it's not a perfect picture. Yep. And I re- I desaturate it in in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. That means take most of the color out. So okay. now it's black and white. Then increase the contrast. So you have more shadows and more light and less of the midtone with the grays. Okay. What it does is it creates that it darkens the eye sockets. Okay. And so it makes your eyes look bigger and then also carves out your cheekbones so right. that you have more definition. And it also, it'll actually carve off a second chin because oh. a lot of people will look down. I like that. <laughs> well, and that's, that's completely unfair, especially in weddings when people look down. Well, it creates a second chin that isn't, that even isn't there. actually there. Exactly. Yeah. So what by, by doing this, this very simple piece, what it does is it actually defines the face from the neck. Right. And you can do it in the dark room as well. That okay. it's, it's, it, I mean, you're not desaturating it, but that you're just increasing the contrast and darkening the image. And it's okay. very flattering. And if right. you- <laughs> Which people like. And the thing is, is people are better looking than they are often photographed. Oh, so. and oh, that, thank you for saying that. That's something else. And I tell all of my clients, I haven't done any wedding photography. It's it's really stressful because if you don't get it right, then there's no do overs. Dev- yeah, everyone's <laughs> devastated. I, I prefer to be a second unit photographer and say, right. I'll I'll give you a significant discount if I can just do it as an event, and then I'll give you the images. I'll correct some of them, right? And you and all the posing and all of the kind of standard. You're gonna want someone who does it for a living and can stick and can nail that every single time, right? And that's and that's that's journeyman trade where you have the right lighting equipment and yeah. that you know how to wrangle the that you don't have. Cat the, wrangling and getting everybody in a row. Cat wrangling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, the second thing is that the nature of 
the camera is two-dimensional. So whether it's a flat piece of paper or whether it's a flat screen, and humans are three-dimensional creatures. Mm-hmm. So the human eye instinctively knows that our nose, where our cheekbone, where our jaw, where our ear, is yeah. not one plane. It's oh, several right. different planes. But on a piece of paper, it gets smashed flat, like taking some Play-Doh and smashing it onto a table, yeah. which is why the camera adds 10 pounds. Right, because there's no perspective, really, or exactly. there's no depth. Yes, that's crazy. And so that's why I argue that it was Picasso who said, art is a lie that tells the truth. Oh, yeah. And that I love that because I, now I only use my powers for good. Sure. But when I mm-hmm. am making changes to the photograph where I'll crop a person out or I'll carve off a second chin or I'll... Uh, you just you, you clean them up. Yeah, clean them up. And especially I'll tell the brides, please don't cake on makeup in case you get a blemish. I can remove that because you normally don't have it. That's ethically sound to remove it it's from the picture. It's completely ethically. It's fine. You just, now Megan, what you yes. should probably know is that the hour has gone by. Oh no. Right. Okay. It's been amazing, <laughs> but you're right. I mean, the thing, this happens. I, I usually warn people before I, and I always, and for some reason I was, exp- I think I was explaining the, the teaser clip, uh, and I forgot to say, yeah, you're talking about the thing you love. The hour's over almost immediately. <laughs> and I'm doing another one, but I right. just want you to know that this was fascinating. Thank you. Excellent. Yes. And it was very beautiful. Do you want to plug any of those books? That, well, I that w- people would like that they should read if they want to read more about photography or, or first of anything. all, I, for art that I highly recommend that the Hopper's book that, um, Edward Hopper was a, actually a painter, but he used photography to set stuff up. And he actually is his wife who was frequently in the images. Nighthawks is yes. his most famous picture. So if you but Google, who, but who, who wrote this book? Is it oh. Ivo or is it Taskin? Uh, Taskin is actually the, the, they're the ones who compiled it. Okay. That, um, but Edward Hopper and Nighthawks is his most famous painting and he has definitely influenced 20th century images mm-hmm. so that you don't have to commit to a book. You can actually just, I, I marked the pages there if you want to flip through it real quick. Yeah, yeah. And second of all is that Beowulf right now really gets a lot of attention. Iliad, Odyssey, well, what does not get as much attention and the epic literature is the Toynboy Coolin, which is Ireland's epic story. Sure. <laughs> I've seen this because Andy's got a pile of um, like sort of epic stories uh-huh. that he uses for game design. Yes. Toynboy Coolin? Toyn, toyn like coin. Toyn. Boy Coolin. Coolin. Yes. All right. That, and reading that, you will literally be able to see the influence that was all over the Lord of the Rings, especially as the armies march forward with their distinctive army sure. and, and their uniforms and their weapons Armor and, all that. The, yep. and their leader. It is epic and it is just as epic and just as different as Beowulf. when was this uh when was this first uh, well, uh, put down? If you'd like to have the, the three Middle Ages. If you'd like to have three historians uh, get into a a fist fight. Oh, ask them? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It does not, it does not have an authoritative written down like Beowulf is actually written down. Like that's, that is the copy written. Yeah. The the Iliad and the Iliad and the Odyssey that again, that were clearly oral traditions before they were ever written down. Beowulf again was very clearly very different and I cannot and the one of the main characters in the Toynboy Coolin is a woman named named Mediv. Okay. M E D B though sometimes it's translated as Maeve. Okay. She's she rocks. Okay. So that cool. I do try to be very respectful of this and finally the last one I'm gonna recommend is the artwork of Edvard Klimt. 
Edvard Klimt, you guys. Yes. Get out there. Yes. Get out the there and Austrian see painter. Austrian painter. Okay. Very famous for his works. You Again, you can YouTube uh, this stuff. Right. And they all look vaguely oh. recognizable. Yes. Because I've been to many uh, museums and gone... Oh, that's cool. But I, and I've seen the name before, but I don't know anything about art. <laughs> well, you will so, not be disappointed, at least in my book. Fair so, enough. Thank you very much, Jackie. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And Megan Steele, you guys, this was a fascinating episode. Thanks again out there for listening. And you know the rules. Take care of each other. Okay, bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we, you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?